Okay, we're live. Hi, everyone. This is an episode of the Crickets to Cha-Chings podcast. I'm Julie Berninger from Gold City Ventures, and I have the pleasure of bringing on a handmade seller with us tonight. How are you, Kennedy? Tell us about yourself. I'm good. Uh, I'm excited to be here. My name's Kennedy. I live in Ohio. I've been doing my Etsy shop since 2020. It started as sort of my survival technique during <laughs> lockdown and needing something to focus my energy into. Um, and I just really love doing it. And I love learning more about the business side of it too. So I'm still going strong. And I'm just trying to learn everything I can to get those sales up now that my shop's a little more established. So that's where I'm at. I've been awesome. Listening- and to give everyone this... Sorry, I was going to say I've been listening to Crickets to Cha-Ching since like day one of starting my shop. So I'm excited to be here. And I bet it's a weird thing for you. Maybe you thought someday you'd be on with Lauren Keplinger, but now you're on with me. (laughs) But I am so thrilled. We, for everyone listening, we connected because as I've been sending out these emails about the takeover of the podcast, Kennedy has been the nice person that's been responding and giving me advice and ideas. So I'm just so appreciative to kind of hear back from the audience of what actually you guys want so that we can deliver this podcast in the way that helps you the most. So thank you for that. Yeah, of course. I was excited to hear it wasn't just going away forever. So (laughs) definitely not. We're going strong. So let's give everyone the quick overview of your shop. If you could tell everyone the name of your shop, how many sales you have and what products you sell, just to give everyone a sense of what type of niche that you're in. Yeah. So my shop is called Our Friendly World, O-U-R Friendly World. Um, according to my page, I have 1,682 sales. So that's exciting. Um, and I focus on selling eco-friendly crochet kits and crochet pattern downloads. So when I, back when I started my shop, I was selling finished crochet stuffed animals, but those just take so long. And since I was using more of like the all natural materials, I had to sell them for a lot of money for each stuffed animal. So I wanted to sort of do something that I could scale more and be able to sell downloads and kits and those things. I can package them and I can design it once and then make it a hundred times for half the amount of time. So that's what I'm focusing on now is my, um, patterns and my kits. And then I'm starting to branch out into like YouTube tutorials to help out my customers who have questions about how to crochet and those types of things as well. Awesome. So this is perfect to have you on because we're going to be talking about proving sales in your actual shop, but then we also can talk about ways that you can expand to make your business bigger off of Mm -hmm. Etsy. So it's perfect timing. So in terms of your past sales history are most of those sales the finished products that you have and you um, recently the kits have started selling or is like no mostly kits and patterns I would say I probably did only finished items for the first year and then I'm probably on about three years now of doing the kits and patterns so I've gotten those pretty established now I only have like my my couple of best selling stuffed animals finished on my shop because they still get a sale maybe once a month or something. Um, But I'm, I've been focusing on the kits and patterns and I got my kits like the design process down to a good system, like my inventory and my packaging and all those things. So now that I'm not spending so much time figuring out the logistics, I'm at the point where I'm really wanting to, now that I know I can do it, (laughs) I want to, up those sales wherever I can. Cool. So I have a confession to make. 
I am actually a customer of your shop. So when we were emailing back and forth, I clicked your link and I bought something. So you have a dog crochet kit and it looks like my sister's dog. So Uh I'm like, you know, I'm going to buy her this for Christmas. So I bought it, but then she's flying in. So I'm like, oh, I can't give her a gift that she can't take back in the plane. So like, I'll keep it because it kind of looks like my dog too. But then I haven't had the time yet to do it, but it's on my list. It's, I have everything on my list um, to do. And this year is the year that I pick up my crocheting hobby that I haven't started yet. I'm sure everyone has their list too. So A plus for you to like picking up this hobby to begin with. Are you a full-time seller? Do you have a job too? Like, how do you manage all this? I work full-time. Um, and that's sort of been a big process of this is I, I have a full-time job in addition to my Etsy shop. When I was right out of college in 2021, I went to school for studio art and photography. So I always knew I wanted to do something creative, but to make sure that I had a paycheck, I was working like retail jobs or like a bank teller job. Like I was kind of bouncing around to these different things that got the bills paid, but I was like, I need my shop to go full-time so that I can like do something I love. And then I got really lucky while I was searching for a job, I got a full-time remote job for a craft, a small craft company. So I work full-time as a content creator for a craft company. And then on my off hours, I'm also working on my shop. So that was kind of the best of both worlds because it's taken a lot of the pressure off my business. Like I don't, since I absolutely love my full-time job now and I like never want to leave it, there's not that pressure to get my shop to like replace my income. Now it's just anything I make is like a bonus on top of my full-time income. So I think that helped like untangle a lot of the stress I had associated with it because I was sort of hanging on to it like a lifeline before. And now I'm just like happy with whatever happens because I know I have my full-time job that I love too. So that's sort of how I balance it. It's nice to be remote because I don't have like the commute time and things like that that are cutting into my time to work on my own business. So it's a good balance. Man, I think you're living the dream and I bet people listening yes. now want to know how did you get this dream job? Did you find um, it on online or something? Indeed? Yeah, I was searching on Indeed. The company I work for is called The Ornament Girl. I hope it's okay if I say that. I didn't check with my boss, but um mm-hmm. they so she has been running her company and she also sells craft kits, but it's not for crochet or anything. It's for a totally it's for quilted Christmas ornaments. And so she posted online because the boss was the one she was always making like all of the tutorials. And now that her company is growing to be bigger and bigger, she's starting to delegate some of those things. So she posted a job listing that was looking for like a photographer and someone who can write tutorials. And I was already doing all of those things in my own small business. So it's sort of all of the stars just perfectly aligned. And I really am living the dream. Like I love both being able to balance both of those is really perfect for like what my brain and my personality needed. So it worked out great. But yeah, I was just scouring indeed like every day from sunrise to sunset (laughs) before I found something that was perfect for me. Oh my gosh, I love that. And it kind of aligns with what I've learned in the online business world as well, because at Gold City Ventures, we have probably, I would say, 10 people that work for us now. No one works full time, but mm-hmm. we have a lot of jobs 
available as well. And it's something that maybe you don't ever think of like, oh, I should work for someone that creates content or has courses mm-hmm. or, you know, online products or the products that I love. Because when you're working for somebody else who's in the niche that you absolutely love, it probably, it, it feels a little bit more creative and fun, I guess. So mm-hmm. that's definitely an option for people if they find a creator or a, a crafter who's in their desired space, but is a little bit further along in the business or has a bigger business, just yeah. see if they have job postings or email them. I know for us, we hire people that are our students and we okay. send out emails to the student list because they already have been trained in the methods that mm-hmm. we teach. So they're kind of the right people. Even And we even want the people like doing social media to have been trained in that because then the stuff will be more accurate. Yeah. So and yeah, I, I think that's it's, such a good advice for people. It's just hard because like, I feel like the internet grew obviously the internet grew so rapidly and now there's just so many jobs out there that we don't even know like you don't even know how to say i want to be a xyz <laughs> like you just know like i have these mm-hmm. things i love to do and i don't really know like what that's called so it's just doing your research and also just staying positive and not letting yourself get too upset if you haven't found anything yet. It really does help to just stick to it and keep growing those skills that you enjoy doing because I'm sure someone somewhere wants to pay for them. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Okay. So the purpose of this episode today is to talk about your shop and just ways that you can grow it and some ideas that we have. So for background, Kennedy and I connected because she had given me advice on how to help the handmade community. Because as those of you who have been listening, you know, I have a digital product shop and a lot of members of my team also have digital product shops. So, but we have this knowledge of all of the different tools and Etsy search algorithms, all of the different things on the internet where you can find information about how to help your shop that is so relevant to the handmade audience, but it's how do we translate that information in a way that will help those of you that sell handmade. So Kennedy volunteered as tribute to be the person to help me make that bridge. And I so appreciate it. So I granted you access to our e-printables course maybe a month or two ago so that you could go through and just help me take the knowledge that we have and figure out a way to make that make sense and help the handmade community. So I was hoping you could start by saying, like, what are some of the things that you are working on in your shop now that you had that background? And then we can dive in if you have any questions on specifically um, pieces of it. Yeah. So I what I'm working on in my shop now is sort of trying to think ahead to like, I want my sales to grow. But when they grow, I don't want to be overwhelmed or stressed out or all those things. So that's where like printables and downloads do make a huge difference. Cause like this year, which we're only in February, but I'm celebrating right now. Cause I've gotten at least one sale every day of the year. And I haven't done that before, but some days it's like a few $4 patterns that someone bought and downloaded. And I don't even have to think about it or worry about it. So I've been trying to think of, I want to design more patterns and kits. Um, And also sort of thinking of other things I can branch out printables and downloads that would still be in the crochet theme, but aren't necessarily a pattern. Um, I did build my own website so that hopefully I can get some sales from other platforms too. 
Um, and then I'm also trying YouTube because I, I just have a lot of people message me like, this is my first time crocheting. I don't know how to do this part or this part. And now I can just send them directly to a tutorial I made that I know is going to give them the information they need. So those are sort of the things I'm focusing on. And I also want to dive deeper into now that my Etsy shop is established, how do I keep working on that algorithm to get more and more views and sales in the shop that's already established there too. Okay. So maybe let's dive into that last one first, because I think so many people can relate to that Mm -hmm. and whether, and I think there's something you mentioned to me, like our course is called ePrintables. You're like, I don't have time to learn yeah. a new thing right now, which I think is so true. But most of it is actually not about creating printables. The majority of the course is about using tools such as eRank and Google Trends mm-hmm. to find keyword research search volume and understand how that compares to the demand for those products on Etsy. So I feel like for anybody, whether you sell crochet dog kits like you do <laughs> or whether you sell a printable, it's really the same thing. It just applied. So when, I don't know if you had a chance, did you have a chance to sign up for E-Rank yet? Um, I think I've looked at, I think I have just like the free version and I've glanced at it like when I was following along the tutorials in the e-printables course, but I haven't really like dived into it for my shop specifically. Okay, cool. Because that's where I would love to start it. This is my favorite tool for doing this type of analysis because if you you have to pay, unfortunately, it's not available in the free plan, but I think it's less than $10 a month and you could do it for one month for just mm-hmm. 10 bucks and then cancel if you wanted to. Although I think you'll probably not want to cancel because it's <laughs> helpful. But what I love to do is I'll use the keyword tool and I'll type in things that are related to the niche of the shop and then see what returns. And in your case, so before this call, I typed in crochet and I was just curious what actually popped up there. And I was searching for specific keywords that had really high search volume and low competition. And I know this is not particularly easy for a handmade seller who already created a product line, but if you do have some flexibility to introduce a new product or to pivot, I think this is a helpful tool for people to use. And so I found some things and I want to, you know, this is me as a digital product seller where you can create a digital product and switch it at the point drop of a hat. You know, Mm -hmm. you could say, okay, I'm going to make a Mother's Day printable and then tomorrow, oh, that didn't sell. I'm going to make something else. Whereas I know there's an investment of all of the resources, the time, like it it could represent like a hundred hours. I don't know how long it takes Mm -hmm. you to come up with a new product, but I'm guessing it's pretty time intensive. But in that case, I think putting the extra effort into the research is hugely important before you waste any of your time in the direction that just won't sell. And similarly to what you're saying, you want to get the most bang for your buck, essentially, like you want to get the most out of every Mm -hmm. sale that you're making out of your time. So thinking, am I, is my product line giving me the best opportunity to make money with the least amount of time in an area where I'm passionate about? And if all those things kind of align, that's great. So while I definitely think that dogs, the dog is adorable and marketing it to gifts for dogs, moms, and, you know, definitely you can do a lot with their Etsy's gift mode. I feel like there's so much. There probably are some other products that you could add to your inventory. And I want to hear your thoughts. If you're like, no, I only, I love dogs. I only want to make dogs. Or if you're like, oh, I just fell into the dogs and actually like, I'm not too tied to dogs. I'd be curious to hear, but are you open to adding other products um, to your mix? How do you feel about that? Totally. Because I have like, I mean, if I'm designing stuffed animals, there's like 
infinite number of animals in the world that people think are cute. And it's funny because like I I have my kits, the kits as a whole sell well, but sometimes I'll design a new kit and like I think it's adorable and it's a little bit of a spin-off. Like I have a daisy garland kit that's my best seller. So I made a sunflower garland kit and it just barely sells at all. So like so I have a hard time knowing I still can't quite dig into why something sells better than another. And so like the dog kit is also one of my best sellers, but then I made a Dalmatian kit and that doesn't really sell. (laughs) So I'm always open to designing new things and putting time into that, but it definitely like having a little bit more assurance that it would actually get some sales is definitely helpful there. Yeah. And I mean, the dog, the Dalmatian, I, I saw that in your shop. It is so freaking cute. Like, I just absolutely love it. But I wonder, do, do you know, in terms of like why people buy crochet kits, so far what I've found is that crochet kits for beginners or beginner crochet kits, that's like the top keyword that I'm seeing mm-hmm. show up in the keyword research tools. And I did some research. I asked ChatGPT. Uh, well, I, technically, I asked Google Gemini, which is kind of a competitor to chat GPT. And I was asking them like, why, why do people buy craft co- crochet kits, mm-hmm. you know? And like who specifically trying to figure out like who, cause I think a lot of new Etsy sellers that I see, they're not, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but just in general, people aren't really understanding as much of like who specifically is the shopper that is looking for the particular product that I have and what occasions are they going to buy this thing and why? So what I found for the crochet kits whether or not you sh- you have to verify this because sometimes these chat GPT things are like full of crap. You don't know, but they told me that crochet kits are big occasions for people that are experiencing periods of major life events, such as retirements and illnesses where they're going to want to pick up a big hobby. They said, they told me holidays. They told me grandparents day. And they said, gifts for grandkids that are over eight when the person wants their grandkids to pick up a new skill. And they said, friends who expressed interest in crafting. That's that's who the ChatGPT feels. And they said they got it from looking at reviews on websites where people sell these kits. So I'm just curious from your perspective, like, you know, better, you know, better than Google Gemini, because you know, from your own shop, like, when you're looking at the reviews, why are people saying they're buying those kits? Because I think that would help inform whether you're you know, going to add a new line. Yeah, it's kind of hard. And this is actually a good question that I didn't like tell you ahead of time, but it makes a lot of sense to ask. Um, A lot of like business coaching things that I listen to or hear or learn are like, ask you know, get the information from your customers. They're already the ones buying from you. You can learn so much from them. But other than the reviews on Etsy, I feel like I'm not allowed to just message an Etsy customer and be like, how did you find me? Why did you buy? All those types of things. So it is a little hard. That's why I still feel a little in the dark on like why this product does better than others. But I definitely think people give them as gifts a lot or they want to learn how to crochet themselves are definitely like the two. And I think it's not so many experienced crocheters are buying kits. I think it's a lot more people who want to learn how to do it for sure. 
That makes a lot of sense. And, mm-hmm. you know, just with the dogs, like people probably are more likely to have a lab or a golden retriever because my mm-hmm. sister has the golden retriever and I have a lab, a yellow lab. And it kind of like the dog that I bought could have went for either of the dogs. Yeah. I love Dalmatians, but neither of us have a Dalmatian. Mm-hmm. So it could be like if you're thinking of someone or the dog that you have, you're like, oh, I'm going to do a dog that looks like my dog. I, I don't know. Or like yeah. a gift for your kid. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, I'll make it for my daughter. Whereas I don't know when you're when you're putting the Dalmatian together was like, I guess, why were you thinking? I'm not saying it's wrong or right, but like, why are you thinking, oh, the mm-hmm. Dalmatian is a good one to do? So I actually based it off my best friend's dog. <laughs> she has a Dalmatian. But uh, um, and so I just like looking for, you know, inspiration. I just thought it would. And that's a good talking point too. you know, like Instagram posts or whatever. You can put the picture of the real dog and and like me and the dog and then the stuffed animal I based it off of and stuff like that. So that's why I just came up with a Dalmatian and tried it. And I thought, oh, it's a dog. Like I thought dog was broad enough to bring in dog people, but I think you're right that it's just like not one of the most common kinds or it was like almost a little too specific that it didn't really catch enough people, you know? Yeah, and I think because the amount of people that are searching for crochet craft kits, it is not a it's not a huge amount when I was looking mm-hmm. at the search volume. So to get like the intersection of trying to buy someone a crochet craft kit or buy yourself one, plus also love Dalmatians, yeah, <laughs> it might just be a little too narrow. Whereas that being said, I'm sure there's like a Dalmatian lovers group, and yeah. you know gifts gifts for Dalmatian owners, like you can think of like people like to buy t-shirts or coffee mugs or all that on Etsy. Mm -hmm. That could be huge thing. It's just, that's kind of like an aggressive gift to get somebody like, Hey, you love Dalmatians. I'm going to get you a crafting thing. It's like a lot of work, right? (laughs) So that's sort of why I would think like maybe, maybe it wouldn't work out. But what the reason I like going with the keyword research approach is just because if you see a large demand for a certain keyword, and then you don't see much competition for it on Etsy, which is what you can use E-Rank to do. And that's mm-hmm. there's a video in the course on how to do that. Then you can at least get a starting point. But then you have to go through and see what does this exactly mean? And do I have the ability to do it? Like yeah. for the finished product stuff, um, I was trying to, because I was thinking about what you're saying, because you emailed me that it's too expensive for me to create the finished dog, essentially, because mm-hmm. it, people won't buy it. And like there's competitors on Etsy that are selling something for like 20 bucks. It's mm-hmm. frustrating, I'm sure. Um, one year has to be priced so much more, but there are still opportunities. I think on Etsy where the keywords are going to tell you what can I do with the if the least amount of work, creating the product that requires the least amount of yarn, but has mm-hmm. so many people searching for it, or it's I can charge so much for it that yeah. it's like the perfect blend. We call them unicorn products. But I want to hear your thoughts on it because I'm coming as a digital product seller where I'm not particularly tied to any one niche. But if you're like, no, like I really. I'm doing this because I love it and like I need to have my passion. That would be important too. But you know, or you just want to get rid of finished products to begin with. That's fine. But here's some that I found, and I'm, I just want to hear your thoughts on it. Like, you know, why or why not? And also too, just for anyone listening, when you do get a keyword, you have to go and go to all the places to understand the keyword because you could have no idea what that keyword means, and it could mean totally different than what you think it means. Mm-hmm. But let's start with this one. So, crochet bookmarks have a lot of searches. What do you think about that? Just in general thoughts, you know more about this niche than me, but tell me like, why does that have so many searches and not, you know, it has competition, but relatively not like tons. 
Yeah, I think that crochet is sort of trending on its own. Like it's a thing a lot of people my age and younger are starting to get into. And like you were like, that's on my list this year. Like I'm going to learn how to crochet. I think a lot of people are just seeing it around and they really like it and they want to try it. And I I do think that's smart because you can crochet a little rectangle in 10 minutes, you know, and maybe sell it for 20 bucks, 15 bucks, 10 bucks. I don't know. Um, and so that would be smart to do. I think it's hard. Like, I think that the part of the reason I moved and I still want to hear the other finished item ideas you have, but I think part Mm. of the reason I moved from finished items to kits is because I feel like I know how to talk to crafters more than I know how to talk to whoever is buying this particular finished item. So that's sort of why I like gave myself permission to dive into that niche because like I found it so much easier to make an Instagram post about a pattern or a kit than I did about a stuffed animal or a baby gift. I didn't really know who I was talking to, but now I know I'm talking to people who want to learn how to crochet. So that's sort of why I've veered away from finished items. But I do think if you have, if you can crochet or knit or embroider or any of these different skills, if there's something small you can do and then still charge for the fact that it's handmade, that's definitely a smart intersection of those two things. Yeah. And I mean, definitely the prices. They weren't like crazy high for this one. I have one that a, a really good one that I'm going to share at the end here that I think is I think is really good. But you have to tell me. You know the best. But um, th- that's all very valid. And I think this is what I love about the approach that I think you are taking and I take to selling on Etsy. We need to make this work for our life. It's not about grabbing the most amount of money possible or like putting out the most widgets for the least amount of cost. But these things are helpful to know. But mm-hmm. you can you can choose and say give it something a hard no too. But I, I totally hear you on that. Caveat on the baby. So one year I did buy my daughter, my four year old. She was like two or three at the time. A lot of um, of those little cute little animal ones for her mm-hmm. stocking stuffers because they were just adorable off Etsy. But then my baby, we took the four year old to a store and she wanted to buy a couple. But the eyes, like the beaded eyes that they use, like the black ones with the back, mm-hmm. they're just choking hazards and. Yeah, she wanted to buy one for my friend, sister's my my friend's baby, and I was like freaking out this whole time. And I told my friend, "Hey, like these eyes come off." And of course, she texts me a day later, like, "Oh, the eye popped off," and like yeah. she almost choked. I'm like, "Oh my god!" So you know, just for PSA for anyone that is making these, like, just stay away from the baby marketing. It's just too stressful. Like I, I don't know. I know a lot of you there. They you do sell in those niches, and I'm sure you're handling all the safety things. But it's just it stresses me out. I even talking yeah. about it. Also, PSA for anyone making the stuffed animals and scared of the plastic eyes, I have a tutorial (laughs) about how to embroider the eyes. So like since I'm doing a whole eco-friendly shop, I didn't want to make my wool animal with cotton stuffing and then put plastic eyes on it. I was like, I I don't want to add plastic eyes to my plastic-free stuffed animal. So I learned how to stitch them on and make little black round eyes that are just made of yarn too. So I also agree with you. I don't like those little plastic eyes very much. Yes. And that's the perfect solution. And, you know, just in marketing, if that was in one of the images on Etsy telling me like, mm-hmm. hey, these are 
baby safe eyes. I feel like that yeah. could be a huge reason for why someone would go with this listing over another one. But anyway, and discovering like what those particular features are, it's super important before someone even goes about making yeah. the product so you can meet to the needs of the shopper. But anyways, mm-hmm. okay. So those are the bookmarks. Here's another one. Bandanas. They they were across, the, another keyword that kept showing up for that was festival wear. Interesting. And it was all these pictures of all these like 20 somethings with, you know, the back of their head with like a crochet bandana with like a cute yeah. little outfit for Coachella or whatever. Um, I was, you know, I, I don't know if this is an old trend. Someone who's a little more trendy than me would be able to know right away what this is, but <laughs> I thought that was me. fascinating because it looked like the bandana. I'm not trendy at all. Um, it looks like the bandana was maybe easier to make. I don't, I don't crochet, but maybe it looks easier to make than, than the animals or shorter mm-hmm. to make because it's just like the triangle. I don't know. But I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then, okay, so another one, uh, if you are going to pick an animal, the, the duck, which a duck is actually what I bought. I think the duck, it makes sense from a terms of like the baby or kids mm-hmm. love ducks and it's one of the first words a lot of kids can say. So that makes sense mm-hmm. to me. Um, okay, but here's the good one that I'm talking about. So you'll tell me if this is good. Crochet bouquet. Yeah. Those were selling for $30 to $45 finished products. So they weren't one of the more expensive finished products. And the cross keywords on those were it was wedding bouquet or um, Mother's Day. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. And they were like so cute. I've seen those and they're beautiful and super cute. And I think about them all the time. And I think about um, like designing flower designs or a little flower in a pot I see crocheted too super cute and I don't want to like assume that I know the background of any other person's business because I don't however I look at a crocheted flower bouquet and knowing how long it takes me to crochet something I don't know how people are selling those for 30 to 40 dollars and not way more And I don't know how much, and maybe that's for a smaller bouquet or something like that. And you can upgrade to a bigger one for more that's in the picture or whatever. But that's the thing with these handmade, you know, categories is like, I don't want to build a business where I'm not being paid for my time. So I want to be able to put my time into things that I know are going to get covered. And if that's spending 30 hours crocheting a bouquet and then charging $30 for it, you know, that doesn't really work out. So that's the hard, that's the hard balance to find, you know? Yes, exactly. So, <laughs> and that's where you, you don't really know, like, cause looking at these, it's like, okay, how many flowers are they actually putting in there? Like a lot of them is like, if you look, it's like the paper wrapping and there's a lot of stuffing and stuff, yeah. but that is a super valid point and why I'm such a fan of digital products. Because yeah. maybe if maybe people want to make crochet bouquet, uh, crochet bouquets, so it's like let's just make it do the pattern. Yeah. Although I don't know, like, how long does it take to make a pattern? Is it like, is it easy? Is it like, oh, actually, the, I do it once, and you know, I'd have to know, like, be sure it would sell. Um, I'm just yeah. curious your thoughts on that. So, I, and I do wonder, like, these keywords, if that's something people are buying is a crochet bouquet, and I know that I'm not going to be able to charge the same amount that these these other shops are charging and pay myself what I want to pay myself. That does also make me wonder, well, are there people out there who want to make their own and I should do a crochet bouquet pattern or crochet bouquet kit so that I'm sort of pulling from those keywords but not having to like take on that whole new product myself. Um designing 
patterns does take a lot of time because you're you're creating an item from scratch you know you just start with a ball of yarn and then try to turn it into this shape but it is once you make it and then you type it all out and add the pictures and save it as a pdf i don't ever have to make that again i answer customers questions about it or whatever and when i make a kit i just put all the materials in a cute little box and then they can access the pattern online which is then using that same pattern that I already designed. So it does still take a lot of time, but I know like that's kind of why I moved away from finished items because if I'm spending 20 hours on something or 10 or whatever number it is, at least with a pattern I know, I could sell this for the rest of my life and it wouldn't be like taking more time out of my day. Whereas if I sell a finished item every time it sells, I'm going to be spending that same amount of time making it. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that for the rest of my life. So. I absolutely love that analysis. And I think it's (laughs) solid reasoning that I see a lot of newer sellers make mistakes with these keyword tools because you can't just pull out like what something is. Now I would, I would say like the next step is don't, don't guess, use the tools because you can type in crochet bouquet pattern and it will estimate for you. Now, none of these tools have access to Etsy's exact search volume. They're all estimates and they have their different algorithms and way that they guess. And if they tell you, for example, they also have estimated revenue. Like the, one of the shops I looked at that was selling the finished crochet bouquets was making like they said 3000 a month, but you can't totally trust that. It's mm-hmm. probably directionally accurate, um, but Etsy doesn't release that information to the third-party tools that are accessing their API. Yeah. So they're just guessing with with data and algorithms. But um, you can use that data directionally. So you could look it up and say, okay, well, there's 200 searches a month for crochet bouquet pattern, but there's actually 3,000 searches a month for bookmark or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, whatever else is. And by the way, I just picked four that I thought would make good conversation topics for yeah. this podcast episode. But if you do go into E-Rank, there were tons in there and I was okay. sorting based on the competition and um, I would recommend like taking a minute to do that. Maybe I can even export it and, and show it to you after this so that you could yeah. have this information yourself. But you know, I'm not saying that you gotta, you can't just take these keywords. You have to do exactly what you did and analyze mm-hmm. every single piece to, to make sense. But I think the way you're thinking about it and creating something that's scalable and scales your time beyond you is, is huge. So yeah. it makes tons of sense. Okay. So I, I did want to mention one more thing. Um, before we get into some more of your questions. So I make money through this other blog that I have. It's millennialboss.com. Nobody go to this website. It's like an old personal <laughs> finance student, student personal finance blog. But every month I'm getting a check of like $1,500 at least from this company because I get paid for display ads that are on that blog. Because mm-hmm. whatever I was writing back then, um, there are a couple Etsy things, but not as much as my primary business, which is Gold City Ventures in that blog. But I get paid a check because so many people are searching the internet and coming to that blog. Mm -hmm. So back a year ago, I was like doing a scan of other websites that were on these platforms. And I saw that crochet, all of my peers were having crochet blogs and they're, they're bringing so many people to their websites Mm -hmm. that they're just, they're probably getting these massive fat checks for (laughs) just the advertising. Yeah, And you don't, when you sign up for these companies, you have to have at least, I think, one of them is 100,000 page views per month. The other one might be like 50,000 page mm-hmm. views. They have limits. But once you get in, then you can, they just automatically, they do the tech and they just put the ads mm-hmm. on your blog 
Yeah. So anyways, when you said you're creating a blog, I'm like, oh, is that something that you are interested in exploring? Because that could be another way to monetize where you're not, you're creating content that people want to read about and learn about, but um, you're not actually like selling them a product. You're getting paid through ads. Yeah, for sure. I know like when I'm learning new things or trying new patterns and things like that, blogs, other people's written crochet blogs are where I get a lot of information. So, and and a lot of times they sort of double up. Like if I have a YouTube video on, video on a tutorial on a specific stitch, I can write a blog about that same thing. Basically just use your video transcript and just make it a little more readable and link to the video and put ads on it. And then if people don't want to only go on YouTube, they can find it on the blog too. So that's definitely on my infinite list of <laughs> like future plans and knowing that that would probably be smart because it's just one of those things where it's like if you're already creating the content or the idea, you kind of want to see how far you can stretch it to how many different revenue streams, you know? Yeah. And it, it's, you can get lost in the shiny object syndrome where you're like creating a blog and you're doing this, like truthfully yeah. selling on Etsy. And if I had to recommend to someone like double down on what is working that you're already doing versus like getting too distracted. Cause I do yeah. see a lot of people come through and they've bought a hundred courses and now they're trying to do X, Y, and Z, but they never really had success with one. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think you're in that case cause you have so many sales and you have a really good sense of product market fit and where, and where you're going and things like that. But um, I do see people get a little lost yeah. in the different skills they can learn. It's definitely hard. I just, For sure. every time I think of a new way I could do things. I just put it on this like huge growing list somewhere. And then before I dive in, I try to think about, you know, like, will this actually, how can I fit this into my time and those types of things. So, but it is hard too, because I, I hear that to like double down on what's working for you or coaches or videos that I'll listen to will be like, well, what you should focus on is what's already worked. But if I know that what has already worked is Etsy, and I also know that I should probably be adding more revenue streams to my business in case some crazy thing happens and Etsy isn't you know, working anymore or something like that, it's hard to like double down and grow at the same time, I feel like. You know what I mean? I absolutely know what you mean. Because you know, even from my perspective, I have Gold City Ventures, which is an online course for Etsy sellers. Mm -hmm. And now I have this specific skill set that I know how to create online courses. So sometimes people ask us to help them create their courses yeah. in different, totally different niches, nothing to do with Etsy. And we'll get distracted doing that. And then it's like, no, you have a really successful yeah. main business. Keep your eye on the prize, right? And I also have an Etsy shop. So I'm living that life too. I totally yeah. get it. And sometimes, I don't know, I think you just have to well, remember, I don't know if you know this, but when people used to work at Google, like actually Google HQ in Mountain View, California, they used to get 20% of their time for their own projects. So hmm. like to do whatever they wanted. Um, and then they 80% of their time had to be towards the mission of their department. Mm -hmm. I never worked at Google, but I had friends that worked there and they said that was true. So I always think about it like that. Like 80% okay, of my time should be on the main thing. And then I'm going to devote some of my experiment time on the yeah. experiments. Um, sometimes smart. I tip the balance in the wrong way, but that's how I try to think about it. Yeah, that's smart for sure. Yeah. But yeah. So anyways, okay. So th those are some random things that I just wanted to ask and, you know, just understanding more about who, who buys your product mm -hmm. and 
understanding trends that I'm seeing in the keyword research, you went through my course and you saw that Google Analytics, Google Trends, Pinterest Trends, these are all the different avenues you could explore. Mm -hmm. Um, We talked about how to make printables in marketing information in Canva and and listing images in Canva and all that. Do you have any questions or thoughts that I I know you had a list of questions you want to ask me. I'm I'm just curious what what you wanted to hear. Yeah. So I didn't get a ton of time to dive into the different tools like the Google Analytics and the E-Rank and all those things, but I am really thankful that they're in there. And I know I can reach out to you with more questions too, because those are things that like, especially this group that listens to this podcast, we we know SEO is important and getting getting views and visits and those things and then converting them into sales is important. But I had never heard of those out those tools really being used outside of Etsy. So I'm definitely excited to dive more into those. I don't have questions about them specifically because I haven't even had time to like try them out (laughs) to figure out my questions. But um, I do, I would love to hear more about Pinterest because I think that that goes hand in hand with a crochet business because I know that's how I find a lot of my tutorials and patterns and things that I use is on Pinterest. So if you have advice about how to get that going or sort of where to start to like get the momentum going, that would be great. So one thing that I say about Pinterest is that Pinterest and Etsy go together like peanut butter and jelly. (laughs) And it's just because a lot of people that shop on Etsy also use Pinterest. It's just Mm -hmm. a very visual platform. Now, one thing about Etsy is that shoppers are looking for certain things and you have to ask yourself, where do they even get the idea to look for this very specific thing in the first place? Like, where do they even hear about it? And part of it is that they saw it on Pinterest or they saw it on TikTok or social media or Instagram mm-hmm. or wh- wherever. But a lot of times Pinterest is kind of the main one right now. Um, I think TikTok is going to be more and more a place where it's becoming more yeah. of like an e-commerce situation. But right now, I think Pinterest is a really, really good one. So art and culture and life kind of imitate each other and they're all intertwined. So I think that's part of the reason why I always use Pinterest as a starting point when I'm trying to come up with what products to make, when I'm trying to come up with what keywords to use. And you can learn a lot like digging in and looking at like, for example, one Pinterest pin, what boards are people adding them to? Like what are, why? Um, yeah, the same thing, you know, I'm going a little bit tangent here, but I want to mention that same concept applies to Etsy too. Like for example, my daughter, my youngest is going to be one and she's going to be one around St. Patrick's day. So we're throwing a lucky one <laughs> birthday. So yeah. I went on Etsy cause whenever I want to spend my money, I want to support Etsy sellers. So I'm shopping on Etsy for everything for her lucky one birthday and I'm buying digital products and I'm buying physical products, outfits for her, the high chair banner. Um, everything that you would see at a typical one-year-old's birthday, the invitation. And when I'm searching that, I notice that Etsy is showing me what almost like Pinterest type boards, like what collections mm-hmm. other people that have bought that product or have sa- basically like been like saved that product or whatever, like what other things they're looking for. So mm-hmm. I found somebody that she had my aesthetic at a lucky one birthday party. She had like a girl's lucky one birthday party and she had all the stuff saved and it was like some cute pink things and it was like more lucky charms than it was like the (laughs) traditional leprechaun lucky. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. But anyways, I think that's important because if I was a seller, like I want to know 
not just my product in a silo. I want to understand like what else is this part of? And maybe I could add other items that go with that item or just better understand like aesthetics that people want to see and the vibe that they want the party the the party to have because everything nowadays is all about aesthetic and like what it looks mm-hmm. like and you know people want certain themes. And this connects to what I'm trying to say is that Pinterest is the place where people are getting that informed look in their eyeballs of like what they're actually looking for. So when they're typing something into Etsy and they're seeing a search result, it's fitting in their mind of the mental model of like, okay, in my case, I want a feminine lucky one birthday. This is what I think this is. This is what I think I want. And then when I get the search results, it matches that. So if you have a really good sense for where people are getting those ideas from, including Pinterest, Mm -hmm. then you're going to create a better product on Etsy that matches what people want. Because all those people that created the very lucky leprechaun, lucky one, are hugely missing that there's a group of us that have daughters that want this kind of like more feminine, softer. Maybe it's related to the whole Barbie craze. Mm -hmm. We want that pink kind of vibe in a leprechaun, lucky one birthday. So long-winded way of saying Pinterest is the place where you're going to find that out. For For your particular niche and products, like what have you found on there? Like what Pinterest sub communities or searches or how do you use it for crochet? Um, I think that would be a good starting point to understanding like what to do with it. Yeah. I use it right now just like on my personal account. If I just see any pattern that I think is cute, I just save it because <laughs> I either might, well, it started out, I was selling stuffed animals. So I was saving stuffed animal patterns that I thought I might want to turn into a finished item to sell in my shop. Um, And now it's sort of inspiration for things I might want to design, but I haven't really started to dig into it further than that. I didn't even think about, you know, if I find a pin that I like seeing what other boards it's on, like that didn't even cross my mind. So I know in my business Pinterest that I want to start these boards where if someone like me came across it, they would be like, this is exactly what I was looking for, you know, spring crochet patterns or whatever they're looking for at the time. Um, But that is smart to sort of dig into it a little deeper and see where those things are ending up for other people um, to get an idea of that aesthetic. Pinterest is also one of those things where it kind of blows my mind, like how much is on there, because I feel like I get on there and it's perfectly tailored to what I want. And then I'll I'll look at Pinterest on a friend's phone or whatever, and it's like a totally different world. So it's just kind of crazy how much is on there. And you sort of have to dig to find stuff if it's not automatically showing up for you. Yeah, that's such a good point. I mean, if and if you're not your target customer, because mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of us, we sell in spaces that have nothing to do with our personal life. I mean, yeah. I, I was going to bachelorette parties when I started, but I haven't been mm-hmm. to a bachelorette party in years at this point. So yeah. how do I stay up to date on the trends and all that? So I, that's why I do have a separate Pinterest for my business and then my personal mm-hmm. Pinterest, because I don't want bachelorette stuff showing up when I'm <laughs> trying to do like a kitchen, like, you know, I'll yeah. try to update my kitchen cabinets and I wanted certain colors. I wanted that to be what I saw. I didn't want it to be um, you know, raunchy bachelorette stuff or whatever was <laughs> popping up at the time. So I, I think that's a, a good point. But another thing that I like to do, um, I am looking to see the keywords on Pinterest. Like when I, what auto completes, sometimes Pinterest mm-hmm. will show you like little bubbles. And I, I truly think that the way that they're getting that information is that they're seeing the names of the boards that the customers are adding things to. Gotcha. And that's where they're, or, or the users are adding things to. So if like, you know, people, 
have a certain product and they're saving it to Easter baskets over and over again, then mm-hmm. that's going to be like they're going to somehow tie that in the algorithm to that particular thing or like whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I, f- I think it's smart enough to do those tags. So what I try to do on a business side is I have a million bachelorette related bo- boards that have different names. Mm-hmm. And I try to like save products to those boards or blog posts to those boards so that yeah. I'm like helping it classify this is what this thing is because otherwise like how does it know what the thing is that you uploaded Mm -hmm. and like sometimes you know it it does have like fancy algorithm where it can recognize images and things but i think the easiest way is just to kind of train it by doing that legwork yourself and like taking the pin and Mm -hmm. naming it to a board that's relevant that you would want it to show up in search results for somebody for that thing yeah that makes sense for sure so for pinterest so in terms of like time I'm spending this though, I don't spend like huge amounts of time on Pinterest. Mm-hmm. I used to, like it, it's kind of gone back and forth in, in favor. Um, but I do think like establishing some sort of Pinterest presence is really important Yeah, and kind of fits into the, the, I, I, I would say maybe it fits into a little bit of the 80% of what you're doing because it's driving traffic to your yeah. shop. Um, but one thing, a te- techie thing that people probably aren't going to want to do, um, if you're allergic to like the SEO data side, but it's important if you set up the Google analytics or you're using at least basic Etsy stats, like understanding is Mm -hmm. the traffic to my shop even coming from Pinterest and is it worth like continuing to do this more? Because if you're just like throwing darts at the wall and you don't actually know if anyone's coming from Pinterest and you're continuing to post, um, that could be wasting your time. So, yeah. And you could double down on what's working. I don't know if you did that. The reason I started, like I've just in the past week or two started trying to get my Pinterest for my business up and going. And the reason I did that is because my stats for this year, which is just January January and February, Pinterest has already brought in over 200 visits to my shop and I haven't even been using it. So like some someone somewhere has pins of my stuff or I've had a couple patterns show up on, you know, like 10 flower garland patterns and it's a blog post and they linked to my pattern or whatever in there. So I know that at least 200 people this year (laughs) have seen something of mine on Pinterest and came to my shop because of it. So that's why I sort of was like, I should probably dig into this rather than, you know, I have zero visits from Instagram and I don't even really enjoy doing Instagram. So why am I going to put all this time into something that I'm starting from scratch, whereas I already have a little bit of a foothold on Pinterest just because I know people are using it and finding my stuff. So that's definitely why I got it started. And now I just need to sort of dig in and learn more how to really use it to my advantage. Yeah, I think like Instagram is hard because Pinterest is a different thing. Like when I'm doing the kitchen cabinet thing, I'm sitting down and I'm typing in colors for kitchen cat white off white mm-hmm. colors for kitchen cabinets or whatever and I'm like in the mood whereas Instagram I'm sitting down and I'm like wasting 10 minutes cuz I can yeah. like I don't know, I, I'm looking at my phone for no reason for 10 minutes and it's serving me stuff that I think is relevant but it's not like I'm sitting there searching for something specific. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the shopper intent is just so much stronger with Pinterest. Yeah. And, and it's so much harder in my, my, I'm like not a social media person. It's harder in my mind to create like this huge following on Instagram. Yeah. Um, you totally can. And like, I think TikTok is a little different though, because I do, I search things on TikTok that I want specifically, mm-hmm. like around holidays, I do gift suggestions and stuff for my personal life. Um, 
not quite like Pinterest, but very similar. So I feel like that one might be a little different, but I don't use Instagram that way. Um, I know maybe, but I, I know sellers that have huge accounts and I'm sure they yeah. make sales and people whose whole e-commerce business is from Instagram or ads or whatever. Yeah. So I, I think I'm more of like one person's experience, but I, I, I agree with you on that. Yeah, for sure. I I do have a question. Like once you find all these keywords and like I can dig into my stats and I can see what my best keywords are. But I also hear all this advice about not keyword stuff in your titles. And I, I struggle with that so much because crochet kit, beginner crochet kit, you know, those two things are like my top searches or top keywords that are bringing searches in. But I don't know then how to create my listings without just saying crochet kit a hundred different ways. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, I think there's different elements of it. Did did you have a chance to watch the SEO? It was like a 40 minute long SEO um, podcast that I did a few, maybe a month, month or two ago. I think I did. Yeah. Okay. It was super long. So I, if you didn't, I don't blame you. But I, in that, I gave like some of the specific recommendations that Etsy had mm-hmm. and they had like different recommendations for Google, but it seemed like they were mostly concerned that it would look kind of spammy when the, when the listing gets surfaced in Google, if there's like a million different things, mm-hmm. but Etsy maybe didn't care as much. That's kind of what I took from it in terms mm-hmm. of keyword stuffing. Um, okay. And I hear you that, you know, the crochet kit for beginners is the main keyword. That's the main keyword I found too. Yeah. So you, if you have crochet kit for beginners, that's a dog and crochet kit for beginners, that's a dinosaur or whatever, Mm -hmm. a kangaroo, I forget what else you have, or Dalmatian Mm -hmm. versus another one, (laughs) it's going to be the same main title. Um, I actually think, I think that's okay. Um, Okay. And when, when I would keyword stuff it, like I would put other things that, like what I like to do, and I think I was, I pulled this for you, your competitors that are making if like you know for whatever the main crochet kit for beginners i was using the everbee tool to Mm -hmm. lift what like how many estimated sales they were getting and then also like all the different keywords they were using and some of them were using like more giftable keywords Mm -hmm. i would try to look at some of the people that have like the best seller tags and what keywords they're using and if there's one that is a more generic term like test that in some of the titles but truthfully though you were showing up you were showing up like i don't i see that's a problem for a lot of people I didn't, I look at your shop and I feel like if I was going to tell you to do something, I wouldn't really tell you to focus on tweaking titles and things like that. I don't think that's um, an issue for your shop, but other people do have that issue. Okay, cool. Yeah. I just asked because I try to like, I have these listings that are working really well and then I have, I'll duplicate the listing and try to change it to, you know, more giftable words or whatever. But the ones that are always rising up to the top are still just these basic crochet kit, crochet kit, crochet kit, like every other combination of who is this for and who's buying this and who's gifting it and all those things. They just, or what holiday is it that they still just aren't, aren't keeping up with those crochet kit ones. But I guess you're right. If it's like, if it's working, just let it work and don't worry too much about trying to change it. Yeah, I I think, I mean, just in your particular niche, that makes sense, right? Because we were talking about this before, like, this is a gift that you would give a very specific person. It's a a lot of work to give, like, gift for coworker. Unless your coworker is crafty, you're not going to just give them this product. Like, it's, it's very specific. So, you know, trying to go after, like, 
Mother's Day gift or something like a very generic mm-hmm. thing when you don't know that particular person's mother, it's just like, so it's casting the net just so wide. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it makes sense. Whereas someone else listening, a broader keyword may make total sense. And somebody searching mm-hmm. Mother's Day gift may be like, that is perfect for my mother. Um, yeah. But you know, someone else, it depends on the product. It may not make sense. So I, I think yeah. for you, like you're, you're showing up appropriately. I think a lot of it just probably has to do with how many people are searching for the particular thing. Cause I don't mm-hmm. think there's, it's not huge volume for the kits, but there, mm-hmm. but there is enough. So, you know, if you want to, have you thought about like going the route of getting more attention to it from outside of Etsy, like, like working with an influencer on TikTok or like, uh, or if you know somebody that has a big account or like trying to get a blogger to like link to it or whatever. So you're just showing Google, Hey, this is really relevant for this keyword. So you show up on the Google search for offsite ads. Yeah, that's crossed my mind. And I'm starting to sort of do that, like with Pinterest and YouTube, like I'm at least getting the name, like the business name and the idea of these patterns and kits out there. It would, I think it would be really smart, like you said, to have them in blogs, because that's where a lot of crochet people are going. I don't know, like, do I just message a blogger and be like, hey, (laughs) can I send you this kit? Or like, how would that go? I mean, so I am a blogger, like, so this, this is what's happened to me one time. So one time, um, somebody wanted me to write about doing like playhouses for kids. Um, but I was in the middle, no, they wanted me to write about doing cabanas. And I had made this like movie projector cabana, which was really cool. Like it was like a pergola. And then we had like a movie projector and all this cool stuff. And Mm -hmm. then they, I like suggested to them, oh, but I want to write about playhouses. But then I also was moving across the country and it was just a lot. So what I'm trying to say is like, even bloggers have the best intentions. You could ship them this product and they're like never doing it. So I'm sure there's Etsy sellers who have been burned by the influencers, but you know, from the other side, they're just like regular people that this is not their main source of revenue. That, that being said, there's some that are more like professionals where if you've seen a lot of reviews from them, like they have a system, they're maybe a little more safe to work with. Um, But then those people are going to really probably jack up the prices a little bit because Mm -hmm. they're going to charge you. They're like, oh, I don't need this. I don't need anything free. So, you know, you could do like, there's no harm in just emailing them. If they ignore you, who cares? Like go on, you know, create a Google template and email like 20 of them and see if anyone Mm -hmm. answers you. And um, like, hey, you know, are you, do you do, like, do you want to review my kit? Like I would love or, you know, feedback or whatever. But they could respond and say, yeah, it's going to be a thousand bucks. Or they could say, you know, no, or or they could say, yes, you ship it and they do nothing um, or it could work out. So I feel like I'm telling you this, this is more of like the 20% experiment than like the Mm -hmm. 80% thing. Um, A better method would be like knowing a blog. If you know somebody or you want to get to know someone like that, you think they're actually going to do it because they're your friend. Like, for example, I don't think this would help you because my blog is nothing about crochet. It's about personal finance. But now we know each other. So like you could be like, hey, like, is there any way you could or if you know I have a post, like, could you include this or whatever? And I would be more likely to do that. Mm -hmm. So if you go to like conferences or networking events or um, you have any friends that blog about it or whatever, mm-hmm. they're just, that's like an easier, more sure thing way. Um, yeah. If there's any podcasters that like podcast about it, I mean, even right now, like I'm sure I'm going to, this is going to be on YouTube. We'll put crochet in the title and your link mm-hmm. and who knows, like maybe, maybe that will help. Um, but that, sometimes that's more of a sure thing than just like the cold outreach. But, but there's yeah. ways, I mean, you, and there's more professional ways too. Like there's agencies that can get you placement mm-hmm. or things like that. Um, you could pitch press. Like, you know, you could do a little article of like 
Ohio woman <laughs> ships out like a thousand dog kits, like in the local paper or whatever. Like, he, he, I'm, like pitching your local paper, it might be so embarrassing, but <laughs> I mean, it could be a yeah. way, you know, not, not that you're going to get exact sales from that, but if they put mm-hmm. it on their website and now you're training Google that here's the crochet kit for beginner yeah. um, person, I feel like that, you know, my mind's always thinking about it more from the data perspective, but that, that could be, you know, worth it and easier yeah. than just like cold pitching random bloggers. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, I know that's a lot of ways. Um, so <laughs> hopefully good. that's not information overload, but just like some, you know, p- pitching the local thing is something that I've tried a lot recently too, mm-hmm. because people have written about me, like local Massachusetts woman. Um, I've gotten some press from that versus like that's cool the cold outreach approach to try to do yeah. things. That's awesome. Any other questions? I'm more, I know we're coming up on a very long episode. I was like telling you only 30 minutes, but then you're like, oh, I love talking Etsy. And clearly I love talking Etsy. Um, is there anything that you're like, oh, I'd love to to hear about? Um, I did just start, I turned on Etsy ads for the first time, like in the past couple weeks. Um, and I just have it on like $1 a day for my top five listings. I think how, like, do you think that's enough to start should I give it a couple weeks and then like turn off the listings that aren't getting any return on ad spend? Or like, what do you have sort of a strategy around Etsy ads that you like to use? My, I've seen a lot of people waste so much money with this. Um, Mm. So it depends on where you're kind of at. If you have a listing that has really high conversion and it's a competitive group, like mm-hmm. super competitive, you gotta. It's hard to rank on page one. You gotta out edge. But like when people show up on your product, they buy it. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, I think it makes sense to run ads because you know it's not going to be a waste, and you can monitor them. Yeah. Um, sometimes like really advanced people who have a strong budget will try to use ads to like get a product selling and moving at the beginning to get some activity around mm-hmm. it and just train Etsy faster. Of like, hey, this is a good product. Um, that's a waste, I think, for most people because they don't know the product might not be there yet or whatever. In your particular case, I even though like sometimes things when you search them yourself, you're a certain product showing up on page one because you've already been to that shop or whatever. But I've searched yours a couple times and I feel like it's not the most competitive niche and -hmm. you are showing up on page one. So I don't it doesn't really seem to me like you need to necessarily pay mm-hmm. tons for ads unless you're trying okay. to go for like a keyword that's not so literal. Like, yeah. you know, when I'm, when I'm talking about the Mother's Day gift, for example, like there's no way you're going to show up for Mother's Day gift, right? right. So if you want to test that keyword or whatever, you could use that to kind of like cut the line. Whereas yeah. crochet kits for beginners is something that you're, you know, th- there are definitely pages right. and pages of search results, but like you, ha- you, yours had a little Etsy pick bubble. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, yeah. It was Etsy's pick, which is really, which is perfect. Yeah. And to be honest, I think part of it, your photography is excellent. Thank so you. Um, you mentioned that your background, you had some background in photography. I feel like mm-hmm. that makes a huge difference. It's not necessary, but, you know, if anyone does have that background, really focusing on the listing images yeah. will help you because Etsy is not going to put that label on bad photos. Like they're going to mm-hmm. pick the ones of the best. And I think they're going to pick those one for gift mode. So somebody goes through the listings and determines that they meet the quality. So um, congrats to you on that. But yeah, for your shop, I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's it's more related to like, yeah. I'm I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I'm definitely 
I'm like keeping an eye on it. And I'm like, as soon as the spend goes over how much I've made from it, (laughs) I'm cutting it off. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to give it a few weeks. And right now there has been a return on ad spend, but only for like one or two listings. So I might also just only leave it on for those two, which are already my best sellers. So, so yeah. Yeah. So what, um, yeah, like, I mean, I, I've definitely done that on mine. Like I don't run ads on every product. I'll turn them off and keep them on the best ones. And then you got to look at what was your ROAS return on ad spend? Was yeah. it over, like how much over one was it? And right. when you look at your profit for that product um, at similar times, did you just eat into your profit because you actually didn't need right. to pay for the ad? Like now you showed up on row one and you would have showed up on row two and people would have clicked it anyways. Right. Like that's yeah. all the data that you kind of have to look at. That makes um, sense. And I know sometimes when we do this part time, we don't like look at it that closely because you're like, oh, well, I have my other job. This is just like mm-hmm. gravy. But uh, and the kits are more passive for you. But if someone is like actually putting their labor into this, that scares me. It's like, yeah, you, you know, that's your time. Um, it's like kind of a little bit of a different situation. Yeah, for sure. Do you have time for another question? Of course. Okay. Um, this is something I've been like thinking about a lot lately. And we, and oops, sorry, I just shook everything. And we kind of talked about it when we were talking about like the Labrador kit versus the Dalmatian kit and those types of things. But I feel like lately I'm stuck in this place where I'm really excited about the the business side of things and I want to make more sales, but I'm not like, for some reason I haven't gotten myself to spend time on designing a new crochet pattern in a long time. (laughs) And I don't know what that is if I just like need a break from it or something. Um, But I'm just curious, like how important is it for your brand or your shop to be putting out these new designs? Or like for you with your printable shop, if you have something that sells really well, do you spend more time listing that other ways? Or do you spend more time designing something similar to it? If that makes sense. I mean, I guess when I'm hearing what you're saying, it's the age old dilemma that I can really relate to where it's like business is so fun and running a business. I'm glad that you think it's so fun like I do Mm because I love it. But then it disconnects you to the original art and the reason that you did this in the first place because you're like, oh, like the creation, the creativity is also fun too. And there's that balance where like if, (laughs) sorry, there's that balance where if I focus so much on the business side, then I'm losing some of the, the I'm disconnecting yeah. myself from the, from the other piece. And it actually, is it going to hurt the business? Cause I'm working on the business and not, I'm not creating. So I think that's the age old kind of dilemma. And in your particular case, I would say for crochet beginner kits, like looking at your thing, um, the main question is, do these people shopping want dogs or not? Like when, when in their mind, when they have a crochet beginner kit in their mind, what is in their mind? And like, mm-hmm. why? And because right now, like, I think I forget what I saw. Maybe it might not have been that much. It might have been like less than 500 searches per month or, or maybe it was a little more. I'm not, I could be mis- misremembering. But, um, and you can go into E-Rank and we have videos in the course you have access to mm-hmm. of like how to get that exact number. Um, or you can use Everbee and just type it in and there's a Chrome extension. It'll show you. But you're, how, how would you win more of that piece of the pie? How would you win? Mm-hmm. Let's say that now you're winning like 20% of the clicks how would you win 80% of the clicks? And maybe it's like, well, they don't, they, in their mind, they don't want dogs. They want, in their mind, they wanted this or in their mind, yeah. they wanted that or whatever. Um, I wouldn't create, I wouldn't go about creating a new pattern for a kit 
if you're not sure that that's like meeting the need of the shopper's mm-hmm. intent. Like, let's say that you're like, oh, like, how cute is this? You know, we we talked about like bookmark. We're like, maybe it's a create your own bookmark kit, but it's like actually the people that buying that they would never gift that to someone because just in their mind they weren't picturing a bookmark. They were picturing yeah. like something totally different. And to be honest, like. I'm an uneducated buyer. I wasn't searching for it. I found it through you. But like mm-hmm. when I think of crochet, I only thought of like those little animals because that's yeah. all I've seen from like stores and stuff. I had no clue that it was like this whole world mm-hmm. of um, crochet. Now that I saw the bouquet, I'm like, oh my God, like my daughter's not in dance. And I'm like, someday when she's in her dance recital, like how cool would it yeah. be if she had a crochet bouquet for dance? You know, a little expensive, I think. I'm getting a little pricey mm-hmm. here in the dance recital gifts. But um, I, I see it, but like I didn't really see it before. So I yeah. would ask you that, like, you know, with the kits, how, if you're going to do a new product line, is it more like you want to capture to capture more of those clicks? It may not be showing up in search. It may be just like more matching what the person wants. Mm-hmm. So, you know, is there? And then in that case, like, if they if you find out that they want this other thing, could you make that thing and then put the materials in the kit? Yeah. Um, do you have any? Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, for example, your other competitors are they like? selling a different product and you're like oh maybe I should create a pattern that's similar to that it's more just like it's more just like I know that what I'm selling is crochet patterns slash also selling them as kits and so in my head I'm just like if in my head I want like those customers who find my brand and then they keep coming back and they want to show up and be like here's all of Kennedy's designs like they're all in my aesthetic, you know, and now I have all these options to choose from. Um, Cause like there's designers like that. Like when I was making stuffed animals, I would buy patterns from the same people over and over and over. Cause I knew that they were super cute and I liked how their patterns were written and all those things. So I, I want to keep adding to my, you know, portfolio or options of designs. It's just, I think I, Maybe I do feel like I've been burned a couple of times by like designing something I thought was super cute and then it gets no sales. And I'm like, oh, I guess that wasn't as like trendy as I thought it was or something like that. So I think that is where the keyword research really comes in um, because it does take time to design them. And and I think I just yeah, I think it's just smart to sort of think what do people want? And there there are other companies who sell crochet kits. There's a giant company called the Woobles. They like started as a a little business. I was following them years ago and they sell beginner crochet kits and they went on Shark Tank and now they're like giant. (laughs) But their designs are really different than mine. And I'm also focusing on the eco-friendly aspect and all those things. So I think it's just a matter of like finding your people and then figuring out what they want. But sort of like I said before, I don't feel like on Etsy, I can sort of interview my customers and be like, what, is there another design you would want to see? Or like how, you know, what drew you to this one? So it's sort of, I just still feel like I'm sort of in the dark on trying to figure out what people want moving forward, you know? And that's where me being a hero research person, I'm like, put it into the tool. So if you want to make a new pattern, type crochet pattern into Mm E-Rank and see what are the hundred different things sort based on competition and see what would be the easiest and then decide if you want to do it or not. Or like similar, the kits are a little more niche. Mm -hmm. So I would, that's where like the art imitates culture thing. I would see like, okay, on Pinterest or wherever, where has someone seen this crochet kit thing where they have in their mind, like what they're going to give somebody. 
Um, but in terms of like going after a bigger business, that's kind of a whole different thing. Cause like Etsy, mm-hmm. it's about you are a user, you're typing something in, you're finding a product and you're buying it for like a gift or whatever, yeah. or an occasion or something. You're like, Oh, I want to build a brand. Like I want people yeah. to say, Oh, I'm buying Kennedy's thing. And yeah. they just have to have whatever the latest thing you put out. That's like, I mean, awesome. You can make so much more money with it. You can, yeah. that's like a lot more, it's a whole different business, which, mm-hmm. which you can totally do. But in that case, like you need to build no like, and trust. They have to know who you are. Like I, yeah. I bought your kit, right. But like, it wasn't personalized to like you. Like I met you through this experience mm-hmm. and I'm like, Oh, you are awesome. And you were lovely. So I would have loved to have met you. Um, yeah. but you know, h- how, how do you do that in a way that meets the customer need? Because part of it is like, if I ended up giving it to my sister, I'd be like, I don't care necessarily who you are unless right. I knew she was like a huge crafter. And I'm like, Oh, like I got you a, like, let's say you had a membership or something where mm-hmm. every quarter you could send out a new kit like a whole year and I was like you could gift a year of kits to somebody be like yeah. hey like don't just get your sibling this like you can gift a year of kits for 250 or or for yourself if you're like oh you want to mm-hmm. learn crafting like learn from me I'm Kennedy and yeah. make me sign up and you know my credit card's getting charged every quarter mm-hmm. the yeah. $97 or whatever to be part of your program but then mm-hmm. to order to buy that like I'm gonna need you're gonna need to be on Insta I'm gonna need to see your face because mm-hmm. I'm not gonna give a random person my credit card I have to know like right who you are and then be excited and, and then you would have to show behind the scenes of like oh look at this new thing I just made for you guys and everyone's yeah. excited like oh I can't wait to learn the next thing um which by the way these things are totally doable but it's just like it's a whole separate yeah. thing than Etsy um and that's something for my own for the printables business I'm always so jealous of I mean I have two little kids like I just don't have tons of time you know we've rescheduled this podcast like six <laughs> times because of my situation um but I, there's a huge thing in my niche, which is like memberships for printables. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's say that you have toddlers, you could join a membership and every month they ship, they ship you like an activity pack or whatever yeah. for um, printables. That's cool. So anyways, I, I think there's like so much you could do there. Yeah. But that's like a whole thing. Now, our e-printables course does not cover this, but actually mm-hmm. it's funny you mentioned this. We are launching with, you know, Sasha, who's the head coach in our um, printables mm-hmm. group. I don't know if you join the Facebook group, but she does a lot of live coaching. She's amazing. She's got like 20,000 sales on Etsy. Wow. We're partnering with her to launch a new program that's going to, it's called Beyond and it's going to be about selling off of Etsy oh, and cool. how to create the blog, how to create a membership, how to do all that. So it's, it's coming. It's just yeah. the scope of it is so much more than selling on Etsy. Yeah. So it's taking us a while to kind of get the materials together. But um, we're going to be talking about that. But anyways, I, I don't know if that answered your question, but I, I feel like you could totally go for it. But it's a it's a different thing than the kits because right. you really have to think of the customer journey end to end. And like an experienced someone that just wants to learn how to do it, you have to get them hooked. Like, for example, mm-hmm. for me, I got that thing in my closet. So how do you get me to go pull that out of my closet? Maybe yeah. you include a printable, like a 30-day tracker where you're like, okay, for 30 days or or you include like... If you need advice or if you want to join my community, like you get a QR code and mm-hmm. I use my phone and then it pulls up like your, your YouTube series where, you know, and then I join or I join your email list and you email me every yeah. week to make sure I did it. Because part of it is like if you want someone to be a repeat buyer, you got to make sure that they actually use your product um, yeah. and you can't force anyone. You got to you. Well, you can't force them to do it, but you can like corral them into it. Right. So sorry. Yeah. These are a lot of ideas I'm throwing at you, but um 
that's how you get someone to be a repeat buyer. Um, you can't just like give them the product and hope that they use it. Yeah. No, that's really helpful because that bigger like brand with, you know, people who love it, that's what I want. And that's what I'm like inching baby steps toward. And I love Etsy and I don't like want to not use Etsy, but I'm sort of at the point where I think I want to use my Etsy sales to sort of fund like the movement toward this bigger business. You know, now that I have enough sales, I can pay to have my own website, that type of thing. Um, So that makes a lot of sense that it's a little bit more like journey based and I need to stay in contact. I do have like a little baby email list growing and like in your kit, when you scan your QR code to get your pattern, I've added like videos for beginners um, so I'm just going to keep just sort of, oh my God. So if I had just opened the, bo- if I had opened the box, I would have been already having this. <laughs> well, like, once you get so perfect. Website, yeah. But, and, but it's like my, so this is the issue. How do you get them to open the box? Yeah. I don't know. Post more, make you it might more need to put, Do you put it on top of the box? No, I put a card inside the box that you scan, which is how you get the pattern that like comes with your kit. And then on added to those patterns, I recently made like a series of YouTube videos that is like, if you've never crocheted before, here's how you can do it. But I also know even in those videos, like I've started building my YouTube, but I haven't shown my face on it. So I know that's the next step, you know, like those baby steps of I can I, I can see like all the little seeds of what needs to happen to get to this like bigger brand feel. And I'm just barely starting to like take the baby steps (laughs) to grow them. So yeah. Yes. And by the way, like people listening, probably like Julie, you are an absolute idiot, but this is what we see with our own product e-printables. Like Mm -hmm. people buy the course and they never even open it up and they'll be like asking us a question. It's like, that's literally in lesson one of the course. So I'm so sorry to be a complete idiot about this, but it's like one of our jobs is to, as the seller is like, how do we prevent the person from getting in their own way because yeah. they're not going to be a repeat buyer and like get the result of the product unless we do it. So, you know, I'm not, it would be totally crazy. Like we'll put the QR code on top of the box, but maybe it's like, yeah. and you or might already be doing this, but like, did you advertise that you got this? Like how, where would I, would I've seen it in the listing images or in the description of like, and in, in, I do have to run, but it's kind of an interesting thought of like, yeah. this is above and by the way, this is advanced, right? Like you wanted to do this is, is not necessarily the average seller doesn't need to do this. But if you were like truly want to create this like thing, it's like, how mm-hmm. do I, if I'm getting the leads from Etsy, how do I capture them and turn them into repeat yeah. buyers that want to buy from me? And part of it is like, if they have such a wonderful experience and they actually make the product, mm-hmm. um, that's one way. And there's these ways to do it. So anyways, we, we're going to table this. I feel like Kennedy, you're going to be, if you would like to, the beta tester also for my next product, I will give it to you for free um, for the handmade seller's perspective. And this, I think it will answer a lot of your questions about like selling off and all that stuff, um, Mm -hmm. which this could be a whole nother podcast episode. So I do have to run, but I just want to thank you so much for for, um, coming on and and, and helping us. And like, this was just so lovely. So if anyone else listening would love some individualized feedback, please feel free to email. Um, I'm not sure I'd be able to do it for that many given my time commitments, but it was so fun, Kennedy, to chat with you today. Thank you so much. Yes, you've been a huge help too. And I'm really excited to keep getting to know you and uh, work together on all these new things. That's so exciting. Thank you. Bye. Yep. Bye.